It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Cincinnati Reds get their offseason spending spree started with a relief pitcher, just like I said they would. We'll tell you why there should be more to come on today's live Locked On Reds. Let's go. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are a Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team and to information for you. I want to thank you for joining us here on this special live impromptu emergency celebration podcast as the Cincinnati Reds are proving they are serious about this off season locked on reds is of course part of the locked on podcast network we are your team every single day and we are free and available on all platforms all year long you can keep a lockdown reds with us on today's podcast we've got a lot to talk about because the reds have made their first impact move of the offseason signing Emilio Pagan to the bullpen. Also, how do the Reds best improve the outfield? Something we haven't talked about a lot, but something that the Reds do need to do. And what should be their next move this offseason? And could be a contract extension for one of their young phenoms be part of that plan? We're going to cover all of that here on today's Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And as you're uh, in the comments section, appreciate you doing that. I uh, want to ask you this, where does this put your confidence level in the offseason? How does this uh, change some of your opinions of it? Because Steve and I have been telling you that the Reds are going to be busy this offseason, making impact moves, making major league signings, Emilio Pagan, the first in what should be a spending spree this hot stove season. I am so excited that I got one right. First of all, I'm going to say it again because I got one right. No, I, this is a great start. You know, when we were talking about offseason needs, Jeff, and we were, everybody was in agreement what the offseason needs really were. It's, it's right-handed outfielder, relief pitcher, and bolstering the starting rotation if possible, if you can get somebody better. We all agreed that those are things that need to be done. The order is the thing we all kind of differed on. And, and where I've been at this all along is upgrade that bullpen that's going to get used every day that can support the young starting pitchers, and then you build from there. I love this. They went out and got a guy that's had some really, really good seasons. Now, not all great seasons, and, and we'll get into that, but he has had some really good numbers as of late. I think that putting him out there gives a little more stability to this bullpen. It may be your replacement for Buck Farmer. Now, they could still go sign Buck Farmer back, but Pagan is a right-handed pitcher. He's probably your Buck Farmer replacement, especially at the uh, money that they're paying him, uh, if the particulars that Ken Rosenthal is reporting are correct. So I, I feel like this is I feel like this is an upgrade over Buck Farmer. Let me start there, Jeff. I yes. feel like bringing in Pagan gives you an arm that didn't get quite so abused last year, uh, an arm that has had some success, and, and an arm that I think uh, blends in nicely with what else you have out there in the bullpen right now. 
Yes, and I think we've buried the lead because Emilio! Okay, I had to get that out there. Um, but yes, oh. Emilio Pagan adding to the bullpen, I think, brings a lot of depth. Now, he is not a guy that I'm looking at that's going to be like, oh, this guy's pushing for save opportunities, and Alexis Diaz needs to be sweating in his boots, you know, all this other stuff. That's not going to happen. But he is a solid setup man. On the surface, you will see 69 and a third innings last year, 2.99 ERA, very nice, and a whip of 0.952, very nice. However, the things to be a little bit cautious about were some of the underlying numbers. Uh, now, he did have a nice strikeout rate, right around league average, maybe a little bit below league average, but he had a very tidy walk rate, 7.7% on the walk rate. That is something that the Reds bullpen desperately needs to be much better at next year is not coming in and walking the lead off man, Emilio Pagan, not really going to be that guy. Now, the thing that I, I give caution to is the fact that when he allowed contact, the ground ball rate was 31%. We talked about this a lot. I've written about this over at inside the reds.com. The Reds ground ball rate needs to improve is so he doesn't necessarily do that right away. Hopefully that's something he can kind of bring into his game. However, his career ground ball rate would say what he did last year is who he is. And he got lucky because you give up that much, you know, fly ball, the, the, the fly ball rate there is over 50%. Only 5% of those fly balls turned into home runs. That's a very unsustainably lucky percentage, but you like the strikeout to walk ratio. And that is something that when you couple it with the four pitch mix that he uses, that's something that Derek Johnson can work with to get the best out of him. But yes, overall, you look at what he provides to this Reds bullpen. He is an upgrade, but he's also the beginning. They, they definitely aren't done, but we're happy with this first move. No, no, we are. And you hit on a couple things that I think make him a great fit for this particular pitching staff. Derek Johnson is going to be able to get that fly ball, ground ball mix down. Uh, it's, it's actually a fairly easy fix when you look at Pagan because you mentioned his four pitch mix. He throws the four seamer, he throws a cutter, he throws a splitter, and he throws a curve. If he throws those breaking pitches more, uh, it's going to result in some more ground balls. Uh, he threw that fastball over 50% of the time. Last season, 55%, I believe, was when he was throwing his fastball. Uh, he's got to mix that up a little bit more, keep the hitters off balance. Uh, I think the breaking action can be utilized to help get some more ground balls out of this pitcher, uh, which is what you'll need at Great American Ballpark. His his walk percentage, you talk about 7%, and I want to put that another way uh, with the number I've been using lately when I've been talking about pitchers, and that's bases, uh, bases on balls per nine. Uh, walks per nine inning, you know, what that equates to for him is 2.7 uh, walks per nine innings pitch. So if you extrapolate that, that's a great number. So as, yeah. if, as long as that continues and you can tweak that ground ball ratio, he's going to fit in just fine in this bullpen. I have no worries about that. Yeah, and his four-pitch mix that Derek Johnson is going to be able to work with, he's got a four-seamer that he throws around 95 miles an hour, a cut fastball that's around 87-ish, um, and, and both of those have decent spin rate, spin rates as well. That's why he throws his four-seamer a lot. He can kind of get some swings and misses with it, kind of get some chases with it a little bit. His his split finger change splitter, whatever the people are calling it these days, split finger pitch is around 85 miles an hour, and his curveball 
is around 81 miles an hour. Now that fourth pitch, the curveball, he throws about twice a week, like doesn't throw it a whole lot. So it's going to be a very rare occurrence. The split finger is where I kind of want to focus on because it's something that Fernando Cruz really turned into a weapon for himself. And I wonder if that is something that maybe Derek Johnson can hone in a little bit because Emilio Pagan for his career, his split finger has been an all or nothing pitch. He has a 41% whiff rate on it, which is elite. However, the 59% of the time when he's not getting whiffs on it, it's getting clobbered slugging percentage against it of 526. So it's a very feast or famine pitch. And when you're a relief pitcher that does not get a ton of pitches in a given day, that's something that you want to hone in and turn into a more consistent pitch here. I think that he has got all of the makings of a good relief option for this bullpen. And make no mistake about it, this is a key signing. And what he signals to us as Reds fans is super important because what has everyone been saying? I've been seeing it in the comments section a lot. I've been seeing it on, you know, red social media a lot. And that is, I don't believe that the Reds are going to make some kind of legitimate deal for a major league play. Are you guys kidding? You guys are delusional thinking that they're going to go get guys like this. Guess what? It starts because right now, Emilio Pagan at two years, second year is a player option, but essentially two years, $16 million is the highest paid player on the Reds. AAV. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's going to be more signings that have more AAV to them. Now, as a matter of fact, Jeff, you talked about um, some stuff that you dropped over at Inside the Reds uh, in the written form. Uh, I just dropped my first article over at Inside the Reds. Uh, I have joined up with Sports Illustrated's Reds site over there with you and James Rapine and, and Audie. So I'm excited about that, but I broke this down. If you want a detailed breakdown of what they can spend and where they could spend it, head over there and check that out because you're right, Jeff. This is just the tip of the iceberg. This is just the first and what have going to be many, many moves. And, and in years past, I understand where the fan base's frustration comes from. I understand why people have been scoffing at, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to spend any real money. Well, this is some real money on a bullpen arm. This is playing the market value for a bullpen arm and addressing a team need. And, and I think as we've been saying, Jeff, this is the, the first little piece of fruit to come from the Reds doing things a little bit differently in that the Reds have a plan. Nick Crawl's executing the plan. The Castellini ownership group has given that plan a budget and gotten out of the way and are allowing Nick Crawl to work his plan and do his thing. And I think this is the first little fruit, the first little reward of this new, this new system, uh, the new way of doing things in the Reds front office. I 100% agree with that. And I also agree with it. Because of this, if Emilio Pagan is your only bullpen move, it's not a passing grade. They're going to make more moves. There's going to be more bullpen arms that are added because I think like rankings wise, if you look at the bullpen, it's still Diaz on top. Then you've got Lucas Sims. Um, and I would probably say Ian Jabot's up there with him. I think, I think Emilio Pagan and Ian Jabot are right there, right there in the hierarchy of this Reds bullpen, but I'm not putting them above, above Lucas Sims or Alexis Diaz right now. No, and, and I think at the end of the day, Pagan will be ranked higher than Jabot. You know, we've talked about this a lot. If, and if Jabot can find his proper niche in this bullpen, he's useful. Uh, I, I'm excited about this. Look, it, it is clear, though, 
the Reds are going to need to continue to work on not only the bullpen, but the entire team. The bullpen lead needs at least one more arm, uh, preferably a left-hander. They got to get somebody out there to help Sam Mall. So I, I foresee yeah. at least a left-handed signing uh, coming for this bullpen. But Pagan is a solid setup, man, and a nice start, but more help should be on the way. How do you best improve the outfield for the Cincinnati Reds, Jeff? Is it with an everyday guy? Is it with a platoon player? Well, we're going to get to that coming up next. Before I talk about that, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. You can score often with NFL bets this season over on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders. Jeff took an under yesterday. I mean, that should have been the breaking news. We should have gone live then when Jeff took an under, but he took an under. There's so many options, so many ways to play over at FanDuel. You can also combine prop bets on single games into single game parlays for even more fun. FanDuel has the Reds right now at 20 to 1 odds to win the National League next year. Uh, not sure if the sign, the signing of Pagan is going to move that very much by himself, uh, but things are going to start moving. So if you want to get in on some of the Reds action, you should do it now. Uh, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to start turning your sports knowledge into cash today. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League and the official sports book of Locked On. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel right here on YouTube. Uh, Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering top sports stories of the day with local experts of the Locked On Network plus the national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming, streaming YouTube channel. All right, Jeff, coming up on our next show, we're going to be live again. It'll be another Aloha Friday Live. We're going to get a lot more reaction from this signing. Maybe there'll be another signing. We'll kind of talk about Reds Fest. We're going to, we're going to talk about all kinds of things. We'll also be discussing Hunter Green's 2023 and what it means for his future. We're going to be dissecting all of the rumors and the reports. That's going to be a fun live show. I kind of can't wait to do that. I love these live shows, but let's dive back into this one. Outfield help. We both agree they need it. The question is, does it have to be an everydayer or could they go get a platoon back? This is an interesting question. And I wrote about this as well over at insidethereds.com a few days ago. And it's something that everydayers of this podcast will know that we have discussed at length. And the biggest thing for me is deciding between an everyday or a platoon player really depends on how much the Reds trust the lefties that they currently have. Because let's break it down this way. The outfield is going to have Spencer Steer playing left field most of the time. Now we're hoping that he approves, improves defensively in that spot, knowing that he's going to play that position for the most part, most of the season. You want to get his bat in the lineup, though, and he's he's probably not going to break into the infield with the guys that the Reds will have next season. So you're definitely playing him in left field. So that means you got two spots. You got Jake Friley, TJ Friedel, and Will Benson already 
who all of those guys have shown they bring lots of value to this team when they're in the lineup. Plus, you're going to have Jonathan India at the DH spot for a decent amount of time, depending on you know who's starting on the infield and all that good stuff. So you really still just have two spots for those three guys. And when you face a lefty, you've got two guys that you just don't play against lefties. Jake Fraley and Will Benson don't do it. As much as I would love to see that get kind of rectified a little bit and changed, that is a let's see what you got. And the Reds are not there. The Reds are, we know what we got. We're going to go for a playoff spot. And the way that we run our roster is we minimize the amount of times that a hitter is kind of at a disadvantage. And it's very clear that Will Benson and Jake Fraley are at disadvantages against left-handed pitching. So with that being said, that's kind of the setting the stage for would you rather have an everyday outfielder or would you rather have a platoon player? And I don't know that I have a strong opinion one way or the other, but I would like to put it to you this way, Steve, because we talked about both these guys. I want to use examples when we're talking about an everyday player or a platoon player. The example of an everyday player would be or everyday right-handed outfielder. The Reds would go get Teoscar Hernandez. Or, and that, by the way, is the guy they should go get. I just want to put that on record right now. I guess if you've got that option, I think I'd probably agree with you. But the other option would be a platoon right-handed outfielder of Michael A. Taylor, who would immediately come in and be the best fielder on the team. So looking at these two options, it kind of sounds like you're leaning toward Teoscar. Oh, for sure. Listen, even with the scenario you just laid out with Spencer Steer playing primary in the outfield, all those things can still be true and sign Teoscar Hernandez. I think they need to go out and sign a big bopper, right-handed outfield bat that's going to play 150, 160 games. I want that guy. I want that guy to be Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, you plug him in. You platoon Spencer Steer with Will Benson. You work a rotation with Fraley. You can get Fraley in and out of games. Fraley could become a valuable trade piece at that point. I don't know, but that's the way I would approach it. Uh, Spencer Steer can still get his at-bats in a platoon scenario with Will Benson because you can use him on the infield. You can use him to spell uh, rest days at first base, second base, third base. And, you know, why not go ahead and let him be the relief shortstop also or you scoot people around when Ellie needs a day off. Whatever it takes, you can still get Spencer Steer his at-bats. You can still get uh, Will Benson his at-bats. You can still even get Jonathan India at-bats if he's on this team between second base and DH. There's there's room for one guy to, to be the move-around full-time player, and that can be Spencer Steer in this scenario. I think what you gain by adding a right-handed power bat that can play every day into the middle of this lineup as a another another driving force in this offensive engine. I, I think you can't overstate how important it is for the Reds to do that and, and have some stability in the middle of that lineup. And then you can build around it and know that every day my number four guy is going to be a Teoscar Hernandez and just build the rest around it and, and put guys on base for him to drive in. And I get excited just thinking about it. Yeah. And I, I kind of agree with you because the everyday option of Hernandez would also improve this lineup and make no mistake about it during June and July, this lineup was on fire and this lineup was scoring it well and hitting like crazy. But the final two months of the season, Steve really fell off. Like they collectively averaged under five runs a game 
and they hit 244 as a group. They only got on base about, it was like 32% of the time, something like that, which is still not horrible, but it's not as good as they were doing in the summer. The reality is probably somewhere between what the summer was and what the final two months were, but it's not something that can be ignored. As much as we have harped on pitching, as much as we have said pitching has to get better and you probably have to go bring in some new talent to help that out and kind of bolster the young guys who are still figuring out this major league thing, the hitting cannot just be chalked up as one of the top five offenses in major league baseball, unless you go get Teoscar Hernandez. I think that you've probably swayed my opinion on this. I was initially thinking that a platoon guy would probably best here, but this also leaves the ability for the reds to still be deep at just about every position. If you go get an everyday right-handed out and he'd play right field, I would think um, he's got a decent range when it comes to his fielding but his arm is fantastic like as much as he can hit the ball a country mile he can throw it pretty hard too and he uh, according to baseball savant he had a very good rating with his arm so i i think that that would be of value because the reds cannot ignore fielding when they're adding people to the outfield because this outfield was kind of inconsistent with that last season and they definitely need to supplement the days that Spencer Steer is playing in left field because he's not going to be that guy that elevates the fielding. It's, you're going to be looking at who's in center and who's in right field. And Teoscar does that. He he brings good fielding to the team as well as a good bat. And, and one other reason that I would like for them to get an everyday player versus creating multiple platoon situations is, and, you know, I'm just going to shoot straight here, Jeff. Getting a full-time player would limit David Bell's ability to somehow get Jose Barrero in every single game, every <laughs> single time. You know he finds that middle infielder that he loves, and he plays them no matter what. And and yeah. I don't want that to be Jose Barrero. Um, you know, there is some use for Barrero as the last guy on the bench, I guess. But a full-time signing, a 150, 160-game outfielder, limits a little bit of of how often Bell's going to be able to you know play with his little tinker toys and get Jose Barrero in game. So that's probably the best reason to go out and sign a full-time everyday outfielder. Plus you you not relying on platoons, you do create a scenario where Jake Fraley, TJ Friedel, Will Benson, whoever it is, becomes a very interesting trade chip. I mean, TJ Friedel got as many MVP votes as Nick Castellanos did last season. Let, let, let that sink in for a little bit. So the rest of the league knows who he is. TJ Friedel is no longer an unknown. He's no longer a unnumbered prospect that we're not really sure what we got. So him being available could bring you in like a, a Dylan Cease or something. Not not him by himself, but he could be a part of that package. He Maybe him and one other person could bring in Shane Bieber. Who knows? So, so it's something like that, that th that would be a good move. And I think that it's a move that they're considering. It's just right now they've been focused so much on the pitching. We've heard rumors about pitching on pitching and they go and they sign Emilio Pagan, which I, I love that, but there's definitely more to be had and the outfield cannot be ignored. And no, with you're, that, you're, you're absolutely right. And with that, the question now becomes, what do they do next? Where does Nick crawl go from here? Because this is a good start. 8 million per year, 16 million total for a relief pitcher that they needed. It's a good start, but there's more to be had. There's more to be done. And we'll tell you who they should be going after coming up next. 
before we talk about that though want to let you know that in between episodes in between our live episodes our recorded episodes all the good stuff you can follow us on x twitter whatever you want to call it at s offenbaker with two f's for steve you can follow me at jeff carr with three f's and you can follow the show at locked on reds we also got a locked on reds discord page a lot of great folks talking reds baseball all throughout the uh, off season the the week the month all that good stuff uh, the link is down in the description of this episode click on it we would love to have you all right steve pagan is in the bullpen they need one more maybe two more uh it'd be nice if they signed two more but what's most likely to happen is they probably sign a starter and a relief pitcher i think what they need to do next is a starter i thought what they should have done first was a starter but that market is ridiculously competitive right now and nick crawl has been getting his ducks in a row i believe that all these rumors that are coming out about the reds being interested in dylan cease and tyler glass now and shane bieber in a trade has been nick crawl calling these teams and being like, what do you want? What, what are you looking for here? So that he's like, okay, this is what it's going to cost to trade for a guy. I know what the free agents on the open market want as far as years and money and all of this stuff. What is best for us? Is it going to be a short-term guy? Is it going to be a long-term guy? I think he's been getting ready for this. The starting pitcher is going to be the move they make at the winter meetings. That's what we're going to hear. That's going to be the 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 press conference move. I don't necessarily know that they have a press conference to announce Emilio Pagan. But I think they're going to have a press conference starting pitcher move. That's what's coming up next. Oh, you're probably right in a lot of what you just said. Uh, the Reds need a left-handed pitcher in this bullpen. They need somebody to help Sam Mole out. You know, it, I would love it if it was a huge big-name lefty, like, you know, if they went out and got, say, Josh Hader. Uh, but that's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to be Hader. Um but fine offering him. So a draft pick has to go to uh, San Diego as well. You know, other big name lefties that are still out there. Will Smith is available. Uh, if you're looking for that, Aroldis Chapman is still available. If you want to go out and sign him. Uh, I don't know if we're interested on a, a Wandy Peralta, uh, <laughs> signing or not for a minute after he left the red we were so happy to get rid of him he goes to new york and he figures it out like come on i don't know interested in that reunion but another lefty that's available so a lefty for this bullpen has to happen jeff now what they do with the starting pitcher is that the is that the winter meetings move? If that pitcher is going to come via trade, it's a winter meetings move. If Nick Crawl has decided he'd rather not exercise the player prospect capital, uh, then I think the winter meetings move could be the signing of an outfielder. I would love for uh, him to sit down with Tay Oscar's uh, people and get a deal done right there at the winter meetings and, and be able to announce that signing from Nashville. That would make me happy. They could fly back to Cincinnati, hold up a jersey, do the thing. It would be great uh, if it were if it were up to me, uh, I would look for that left handed bullpen arm and the outfield arm while continuing to explore the starting pitcher market. Um, maybe all three can happen at the winter meetings. I'm still not sold on the urgency of signing the starting pitcher. I would love it. I would love for them to drop twenty five million dollars a year on a big name free agent starting pitcher. And that would still leave plenty of money to do these other things. But for me, um, I, I think those other two moves are still more important than, than this, this pursuit of, you know, a new ace for the rotation. Could not disagree. I think that, I think that you go get Shane Bieber right now. You go get, 
I think I, I think I want Bieber a little bit more than I want Glass now. I want Cease more than all of them, but he's going to be far more expensive than either of them. Um, or if you go the free agent route, I just I wonder with all of the exploratory calls that Nick Crawl has been making if he has more of an appetite to get a short-term ace. And we talked about this on yesterday's podcast, so I'm not going to go too in-depth on that. But I wonder if that's kind of where he's he's thinking about that. Let me put this to you. Will he sign a contract extension for one of the young players? Uh, th- there were rumors yesterday that, uh, not even rumors, that it's it's been reported, that the Milwaukee Brewers are exploring a contract extension with their top prospect, Jackson Cheerio, who's currently in double A and hasn't even made his major league debut yet. Part of that is you're trying to get him before he shows that he's too expensive for you anyway. But I think that the Reds need to be taking a uh, taking notes on this. They should be taking they should have taken notes a long time ago whenever the Braves got Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies for far less than they are worth now then I, I really feel like the Reds need to be doing this, and they probably are. But I, I, I think that would make me just as excited as if they went and they got a starting pitcher. I agree that they need to start doing this. This needs to start being addressed. I think probably for this year, there might be one of those extensions to hand out to the group of rookies going into their sophomore season. I wouldn't be shocked if it didn't happen in the offseason. I I could see it being a you know midway point all-star break kind of a deal and basically going to whichever of the rookies goes out and earns it in the first half of the sophomore season. You know, is it Ellie? Is is Boris going to be willing to let Ellie sign a Hunter Green type contract? Maybe. Um, is it Matt McClain, who I think is probably the favorite right now to be that guy? Uh, I would I would I would not have any qualms with doing that right now. So uh, I think those are probably your two front runners. If Spencer Steer goes out and and just is Mr. Consistency again, uh, he definitely has to be in that conversation. And maybe, maybe you get two of those three signed to extensions at some point in time before the end of 2024. Uh, I could see it playing out that way, but I don't think, I guess I'll answer it like this, Jeff. I don't think that's a priority right now. I think the priority is fixing the the glaring issues on this team to get it in position to be a true contender for the National League Central in 2024. Once that's done, once that's addressed, I think Nick Cross' focus will shift to what you're talking about and starting to lock up some of these youngsters to, you know, not huge, big, giant money long-term deals, but more deals like what Hunter Green got, stabilizing the arbitration years, keeping them from having huge escalators, buying out a year or two of free agency, and then moving forward from there. And the key with all of this is we trust what Nick Kroll has got going on. And he showed us that there's plenty of reason to trust him. He's already made a nice move. There's more moves on the way, big moves on the way. I firmly believe that's going to be the case, and we're going to see them probably in the next few weeks, especially with the winter meetings coming along. But that is where we will end today's podcast. Thanks, everybody, checking out uh, today's live show. And if you're listening to this after the fact, thank you so much for that as well. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and right here on YouTube. Click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. We have another live. This is the Aloha edition that is going to be coming up on friday afternoon at 2 p.m right before reds fest in fact i'm gonna get off that recording and head down to reds fest 
right there straight away. So I'm very excited about that. But we will be taking your questions, taking your comments about your thoughts on what the Reds are going to do moving forward on the live Aloha edition. But until we do... Just to be clear for everybody in the the chat there, Jeff, and everybody listening on the audio feeds, uh, this is serving as Thursday's episode. So Mm -hmm. tomorrow, a new episode is not going to be dropping. We wanted to jump on and address this free agent signing and kind of talk about where we're expecting things to go. Uh, We just wanted to get that done. We wanted to keep that fresh. We wanted to get it to you right away. So this is actually tomorrow's show that we're doing right now, guys. Uh, Come back on Friday. We'll get all your questions and comments. A normal aloha. You don't say it right, Jeff. Aloha. Friday live show. We'll have the nice shirts on. We'll take your questions and comments. We'll do a normal Friday for you at that time. I just just can't do the the aloha voice the way you do it. I'm not going to try. And that is where we will wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for checking us out. Always remember, we will be a lockdown Reds every single day. Emilio! (laughs) I'm going to say that all year long. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.